I think you can see where we're going with this morning's message. I mentioned last week that we're kicking off a new series entitled Uncluttering Your Life. And uh, I'm grateful to Rachel and Warren uh, and, and whoever else might have helped them create this mess intentionally. Can you imagine creating this intentionally? And we, we wanted a visual that would capture this concept. And we're going to be talking over uh, the course of at least January. We'll probably go uh, four, maybe six weeks. We're not exactly sure. On uncluttering your life. And we're going to talk about key aspects of doing that. We're going to talk about uncluttering your life personally. Uncluttering your life spiritually. We're going to be talking about uncluttering your life relationally. Talking about uncluttering your life in your marriage and in your family. Uncluttering your life financially and even uncluttering as a church as we talk about what this means and how it translates into life. And I don't know about you, but you know, this this is kind of this is an office setting. But this is kind of what my garage tends to look like. Okay? Life tends to parallel our garage. Have you ever noticed that? And I don't know what it is about my garage. It's our clutter capturing space in our home. And maybe yours is a closet, maybe yours is the basement. I don't know. But everybody should have a clutter catcher. And ours is our garage. And it's just amazing. In fact, my kids are grown to the point now where they're actually catching on to this. My, my, My second oldest, Ian, he gets irritated with clutter. He used to be the biggest slob in the family. But he gets irritated with clutter. And he helped organize the garage not long ago. And he was expressing frustration because he was in the garage. And he's like, Dad, how does this happen? We just cleaned it. Now, see, it sounds like the parent. Thank God I'm starting to hear this from the children. Dad, we just cleaned. How does this happen? Life is a lot like our clutter catcher, whether it's our garage or our basement or whatever it is. You see, life tends toward chaos. It doesn't tend, it doesn't drift toward order. It doesn't drift toward simplicity. It doesn't, no, it drifts towards clutter. It drifts towards complexity. It drifts toward chaos. And so we've got to become intentional if we are going to take a hold of and command of our lives. And All of us can relate to this in some capacity or another. You know, it's amazing how, if we're not careful, life can get very overwhelming. Priorities can get skewed. And my wife and my wife Carrie and I, we are not immune to this. You know, there's been uh, some seasons of our lives where things have gotten out of order. And one of those seasons in our life was in the mid 2000s. We were on vacation in 2003 down in Alabama. we were watching, we've always been interested in real estate. My dad bought and sold real estate. It got in my genes and, and in my blood. And I've bought and sold real estate and renovated and fixer-uppers and HUD houses. And just always been a, an interest and a fascination and a, and a kind of a hobby slash investment of mine. And we were on vacation down in Alabama and we saw property values rising at an amazing rate. And I said to my wife, I said, you were sitting on the beach, we're on vacation, and I started doing the math in my head, and I said, honey, all we have to do is buy one condo and own it for 10 years, and we'll be a millionaire based at the, the rate of growth that's going on here in the market. I said, it's the simplest way to become a millionaire I, I can think of. And so we checked into it, and we, we stepped out, and we actually bought a property, an oceanfront property, and values were going up like crazy. And I don't have time to tell the whole story. But 
my kind of, kind of the way I approach life is if some is good, more is better. I think some people call it excessive compulsive. Okay? And uh, so we got involved in real estate and we got involved in speculative investing and we started buying property and things started going crazy and we developed a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio in a very short amount of time. But as all of you realize now, hindsight is 2020, And the market didn't keep doing that. The market actually did this, and then it did this, right? And so we ran into issues, and we found ourselves owning many different properties. And through a whole series of events, we ended up managing a whole bunch of different properties down south. And being a property manager is one thing. Being a property manager of properties that are almost a 1,000 miles away is another thing. And life got really out of whack. I was in full-time ministry six days, 60 hours a week. I had a massive portfolio, tons of responsibility. We had all of this property. My wife is, is uh, God bless her, she's a home educator and home educates our six children. She had her hands full and I had my hands full before we even started. So you can imagine how crazy life got. My wife actually studied and got her realtor's license in order to be involved down south in order to try to help move some of these properties that we own Uh, We were burning the candle at both ends. It was an insane season of our lives. And I'm not proud to tell you, our priorities got out of whack. Primarily because I made bad decisions. My wife was telling me, honey, slow down, slow down, slow down. Let's, let's, one step at a time, okay? So, a lot of times we, we can get our priorities out of skew. Husbands, Little little word of advice, listen to your wives. Now ladies, that was a great place for an amen right there. You missed it. I know it's early, it's the 9 o'clock service, but I, 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 I lobbed you, a, I just, I gave you an easy one right there, okay? So anyway, life got crazy. And our priorities were out of whack. And the things that were the, here's, see, here's what happened. The things that were the most important to me we're getting the least amount of my time. My relationship with God was suffering. My intimacy with God. I, I'm being very transparent here this morning. I stand before you a very imperfect person. Thank God we serve a perfect God. Can you say amen to that? My, prior, my, my relationship with God suffered. Our marriage relationship suffered. Now, our, our marriage was not in the tank, but man alive, when you put all these stresses and pressures and financial pressures on a relationship, it can be strained. Our relationship and our, our responsibility of mentoring and training and equipping our children got out of whack. My wife was working sometimes 15, 14, and 16-hour days and the kids were younger. And, and you can just begin to imagine that scenario. It was not healthy. And we needed to make some changes and begin to make some hard decisions and begin to take control because life was no fun. And maybe you've been there this morning where life gets to the point where it's no fun. You know what? Life tends toward, it drifts towards chaos. It drifts towards lower priorities. And so what this series is all about is about bringing things back in focus. And what a great time to do that at the beginning of the year. What lies before us, and it's interesting, the snowfall this morning, everything's buried in white snow. 
Everything, as we drove in this morning, virtually everything was virgin white. And you know, that's a, that's a good picture of your year. Because your whole year is out in front of you, lily white, virgin white, un, virgin white unspoiled. 360 of your, well, 361 if you want to count today because it's early. 361 pages in your journal of what 2014 will be, and they're blank. What will fill those pages? You're going to blink and this year is going to be over. What's going to be written on those pages? Is life, is your year going to be much like this right here and be a blur? Is it going to be filled with God only knows what? Going from one emergency to the next and responding to crisis throughout the year and we hope at the end of the year we accomplish something? Or will we live this year on purpose? So it's good timing to evaluate, to refocus. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning and the weeks that ensue. Uncluttering your life. Life is crazy busy. Now, while the ushers are, are standing so attentively and so ready, I'm going to have them pass out a little memento, a little something that you can hold. I told them I would never do this in children's church because they're passing out rocks, pebbles. And uh, I just want you to take one. And, uh, and I'm going to have you take it with you today as just a, a, a little object lesson, a little reminder of what we're talking about today. And maybe you can put it somewhere as a reminder throughout the year of what we're talking about today in the weeks to come in uncluttering your life. Life gets crazy busy. If we're not careful, we can fall to the barrenness of busyness in our lives. Never has this been truer than in our culture today. We are driven by the tyranny of the urgent, but not necessarily the important. In every area of our life, spiritually, things can get out of whack. We've got all kinds of tools. We've got journals. We've got Bibles. We've got electronic devices. And all too often, they collect dust. And intimacy with God is rare rather than regular. Relationally, our lives can be cluttered. Spouses and our children can be more like roommates than a tight-knit family. Our closest friends often we spend very little time with and we don't communicate with. And relationally, Things get cluttered and out of whack. Relationships are shallow and unfulfilling. We experience relationship famine instead of deep, rich, meaningful relationship. That's why at North Point, one of our main focuses is being connected relationally. That's so important for us to grow spiritually. Professionally, there's more to do in less time. There's downsizing, there's streamlining, there's corporate entities merging we're working harder, we're look, working longer, and yet we're working for less. I talk to so many people in so many different uh, arenas of business that tell me that same thing. Business is faster, fiercer, more demanding, and less forgiving. Physically, we're getting wider, not taller. I love this. The Daniel plan, this is it's so important. Our faith is important. Food is important. Fitness is important. Focus and friends, those are important values in life. <coughs> Excuse me. 
And physically, a lot of times we have clutter in our lives. We're, we're not eating the right things. That's affecting us. We're weary. We don't have energy. We don't feel good about ourselves. It affects our, our self-image and it affects it, 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 internally affects everything externally. So physically and then emotionally, we're distracted, we're dissatisfied, we're disconnected, we're disillusioned. We're drowning in this sense that we're just not able to keep up. And we don't have to look far to find this. If, you, if you're not in this place, thank God for that. You don't have to look far to find somebody that is and you can come alongside them and be a blessing and be an encouragement. Some of you were in that place. Some of you are in this place. And there's hope. And some of you are headed into this place and you're going to be able to use this message a month from now or a year from now. Because as I said, we tend toward chaos. We tend to drift towards clutter unless we are very intentional. And if you're thinking there's got to be a better way, the good news is there is. And let's talk about it. I want to introduce you to a couple sisters of mine in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to put it on the screen for you. If you don't have your Bible, if you want to grab one in uh, the pew in front of you, you can do that, Luke chapter 10. The subtitle of our message, Reclaiming Simplicity, Sanity, and Significance. And I use the word significance intentionally, not just success, but significance. That's important. Reclaiming, reclaiming simplicity. Isn't that a beautiful word? Isn't that an inviting word to our lives? Simplicity. Jesus was a master of simplicity. Reclaiming simplicity, sanity, and significance. We are not going to get there if we follow the world's example. Because the world is just on a treadmill sprinting faster and faster and adding more and more. Religion is not going to get us there. Because religion will just cause us to, to add the burden of doing more and more and more. So let's, let's read about two sisters of mine. Luke chapter 10. A familiar story probably to many of us, if not most of us. And it's going to be the springboard for our series this morning. As Jesus and His disciples, verse 38 through 42... We're on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. <clears throat> but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care about my sister? That she has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha Martha, the Lord answers very gently, you are worried and upset about many things. You know, that describes some of us in the room today. We're agitated, we're irritated, we're worried, we're upset. Maybe we've not even told anybody, but internally we're struggling with some things. He says, Martha, you're worried, you're upset. Only one thing is needed. Only one thing is necessary. I love this about Jesus. He helps bring life into focus. He helps simplify our lives. He took 613 Jewish laws and distilled them down to two. 
Jesus is the master of simplicity. Love God and love your neighbor the way you love yourself. I love that about Jesus. See, being a Christ follower, it's not complex. He says one thing is needful. One thing is necessary. One thing is of ultimate importance. See, when when you boil it all down, there's a lot of things that we can do in life, but there's really only a few things that are really necessary, that are really critical. And the sooner we get that, the better. The sooner and the, the sooner the simpler life will get simple. One thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. Say better. Say simple is better. It really is. Less is more. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Now as we compare and contrast these two precious women, you know, usually Martha is thrown under the bus. I'm not here to throw Martha under the bus. You know, I, I, I do want to compare and contrast. Because, you know, Martha is, she is more the one that we tend to be like. Mary is more the one that we tend to want to become like. And so let's, let's just begin by comparing and contrasting these two. Martha represents too many of us. Mary, too few of us. Martha typifies clutter. Mary typifies serenity and simplicity and rest and peace. Martha typifies being stressful. Mary typifies peaceful. Jesus said three things, or the Scripture tell us three things about Martha. Number one, she was distracted. And then Jesus used these words. He said, you're worried and you're upset. So Martha represents the stressful person. The, the one who's moving through life at, a, at, a, at a, a chaotic warp speed pace. Martha, rep, we see her doing many things. We see Mary doing one thing. We see Martha is irritated while Mary is enthralled. Can you imagine this? Now, kudos to Martha. The Bible tells us Martha's the one that invited Jesus into their home. She gets the gold star. She's the one that, that set this whole thing in motion. As far as we can tell from Scripture, we don't know, but this could have been the first time that they connected relationally. Now, this is Martha, Mary, and their brother was who? Do you remember? Lazarus. And something pretty important happened to Lazarus. What happened to him? He was raised from the dead on the fourth day. And, and Jesus, when He goes to them, He's weeping because he loves Mary, he loves Martha, he loves Le- He had relationship with them. The Bible says he loved them. So this is important. Mar- Martha's the one that invited Jesus into her home. And Lazarus was there, and Mary was there. But imagine this. Martha's the one that invites Jesus in, but she's irritated with Jesus. She's, she's, she's a little torqued. She's, she's kind of... Getting, you know, getting in his grill a little bit. She's, she's up in his Kool-Aid, as the younger generation says. She, she's in his grill. Hey, sis ain't doing nothing. Aren't you going to tell her? Tell her to do something. Here she is irritated with the Lamb of God, with the Messiah, with God Himself. She's irritated. Mary is just the opposite. She's enthralled. She's engrossed. She is living in the moment, taking it all in. Martha is mean-spirited. 
Mary is operating in a gentle and quiet spirit. Mary never said anything. Now she was thrown under the bus publicly in front of everybody in the room. But she didn't say anything. Martha is ordering people around, including Jesus. She's telling Him what to do. She's giving Him directives. Mary is drinking in the words of Jesus and listening to God about what to do. Do you get that? Martha's telling God what to do. Mary is listening to the words of God to find out what to do. And we're going to see how this plays out a little bit later. Martha is blaming others. Mary is accepting responsibility. Martha is corrected by Jesus. And Mary is commended by Jesus. Which side of the aisle do you want to be on? <laughs> Which corner of the room do you want to be in? Yeah, all of us want to identify more with Mary. All of us want a life that is more characteristic. The truth is, all of us have some Martha and all of us have some Mary. We need to bring both into balance. The truth is, some of us are so much like Mary, we need to become a little more like Martha and we need to get up and we need to do a little bit more. We need to be a little busier. But there's probably more of us that identify with Martha and we need to simplify, streamline, and focus. Bump your neighbor and say he's talking about you. All right, let's... In the few minutes that we have, let's let. And I'm I'm not going to get through all my notes. I, I I have way more notes than I can get to. In fact, I I prepared this message, and I was just I take Saturdays. I, I like to go into Saturday prepared, and then I just just listen. You know, I just just on the inside, I'm prayerful and just listening to the Holy Spirit. And I realized my message is way too cluttered. <laughs> and I thought, now that's a disaster. I'm talking about uncluttering your life, and I'm coming with 15 pages of notes. And, and everybody's going to have to drink from the fire hose and get their lips ripped off on Sunday morning. That, there's something not right about that. So I'm just going to pull the throttle back a little bit. And we're we're going to get as far as we get, and then we'll pick it up next week. Is that, is that fair? Okay, but let's talk about the cause, the cost, and the cure. I, I hope to at least address each of these a little bit this morning. The cause, the cost, and the cure. Now, the Bible is clear the root cause of clutter. And, and when I say clutter, you could be an organized person and still have an overwhelming amount of clutter in your life. It's not just people that are hoarders. It's not just people that are disorganized. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a lack of focus, a lack of clear sense of what should be real priority in our lives, focusing all of our time and attention on things that are not priority, that is clutter in our lives. So, the cause of clutter. Four things I'll mention. The curse of sin, the shame of sin, the corruption of sin, and the deceit of sin. What am I talking about? See, the root cause of clutter in our lives, whether it be spiritual, whether it be mental, emotional, whether it be physical, whether it be relational, whether it be financial, or any other category of life... Clutter has its root in sin. Now that doesn't mean that you have to be in gross sin. Part of this is the earth that you and I were born into. As we've been reading, those of us that have been reading the one-year Bible plan, we've been reading in Genesis, and we read in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 about the fall and the curse that came as a result of sin. 
God said to Adam, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, you've eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. You'll eat plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. Life takes on a more difficult nature because of the curse of sin. All the earth is under a curse. God said work and toil is going to be harder as a result. So the curse of sin. The shame of sin, Genesis 3, verses 7 and 8. At the moment their eyes were opened, they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And we know the Scripture tells us God comes looking for Adam and Eve, doesn't He? He begins to call for them. They hear Him coming and what do they do? hide they hide from god they experience shame now they're hiding from god they've they've gotten busy haven't they 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 were aware of their nakedness and what did they do they they had to figure out some covering so they 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 grab fig leaves and they start sewing and they're doing and they're working And, and and can you see because of the shame of sin there are there are some of us in this room and you 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 can identify no people that are driven, that are busy, that experience the barrenness of busyness because there's things that are unsettled in their soul. There are things that are not right between them and God. And they're busy doing all, or there's things that aren't right relationally. And they are striving and they are busy and never a quiet moment because the minute we get quiet, God starts to talk, and we don't want to hear His voice. We don't want to hear what He's got to say, because innately and internally, we know that there's something between us. Are you listening this morning? Oh, man, I've been there. I I, I get up in the morning, and I I have a good plan, and I'm going to spend time with God, and I get my computer, and I pull out my one electronic one-year Bible, and I think, you know what, I'm just going to open up the weather app real quick, because I just real quick, and you know, I might as well just click on Gmail, just, just, just for when I'm done reading and praying. None of you have ever done that. But it's easy to get distracted. We can get real busy because of the shame of sin. We hide from God, often with elaborate schemes and busyness. Some of us are there this morning, and we just need to make things right. All it is is coming to Jesus and saying, I'm a wreck. I screwed up. I blew it. Jesus, will you forgive me? God, will you have mercy on me? Jesus, will you come alongside me, and will you help me? It's it's humbling ourselves. And yet, if we don't do that, we stay busy. We stay driven. All right. The, the curse of sin, the shame of sin, the corruption of sin, Genesis 4, 4 through 8. We read about Cain and Abel. They both, both brought offerings. God accepted Abel. He rejected Cain. Cain got upset. What did he do? Took it out on his brother. See, relationally, relationships suffer because of sin. Because of disobedience. It it, it contaminates relationships. It contaminates how we relate with one another. Relational clutter creates tremendous stress in our lives. 
My gosh, you, 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 you begin to have to accommodate people and circumstances and situations. Circumstances that should be joyful are stressful. There's, there's conflict in family relationships. And when you come together for Christmas, what should be joyful and what should be peaceful is crazy and stressful. Or maybe it's in the workplace. Or God forbid, maybe it's even in the church. And because relationships are strained, you're sitting on one side of the auditorium and they're sitting on the other side. And when they come in, you move out. You, you know what I'm talking about. So these, these are the cause, the roots of clutter in our life. The curse of sin, the shame of sin, the corruption of sin. And then the deceit of sin. The writer of Hebrews says this, to be careful, we should encourage one another that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin blinds, it binds, it confuses. It causes us to be short-sighted. We focus on the earthly instead of the eternal Things get out of perspective. So that's, these are some of the root causes. What is the cost? And then I want to touch on the cure. The cost of clutter is in the lost peace. The mental and emotional and spiritual burden that come from clutter. Isn't it kind of depressing just to look at this mess? Visually, if this is your life, it's depressing. It's, it, there's an oppression that comes with clutter, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And the biggest cost of clutter is lost opportunity. You see, business professionals and investors, they talk about opportunity cost and lost opportunity the tragedy of clutter is it causes us to miss opportunities. Crawford Greenwald founded Eastman Kodak, Kodak Company. It's grown to be a fairly large enterprise. Okay? It's gone through many, many iterations. But a, an incredibly large company that has influenced the entire world. And he said this, every one minute in planning saves seven minutes in execution. I want you to think about that in our lives. For every one minute of planning, it saves seven minutes in execution. The more degree of disorganization and disorder that's in my life, the less effective I'm going to be, the less effective I am, the less opportunities I'm going to have. I was thinking about a contractor, uh, two contractors that I dealt with years ago. One contractor had done a lot of flooring work in the facility that, that I was responsible for. And they'd done, they'd done hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of work. But because they got large and they got busy and their business got cluttered, they were unable to service us. And they finally told us, we don't want to deal with any of your small stuff. If you want us to do the big stuff, we'll do the big stuff. But we're not going to do any of your day-to-day -day customer service. We're not going to do any of your smaller stuff. So we started using a company that was smaller, a little leaner, very focused, and they started doing work for us. Tile and carpet and flooring. And wow, over a couple of years, they did about $150,000 to $200,000 worth of work for us. And then we did a multi-million dollar expansion, about an $11 million expansion, and there were hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of flooring. Guess which contractor got to bid on those contracts, in which contractor we said, no thank you, we don't want your bid. Opportunity cost. 
One of the, the, the biggest cost of clutter in our life is losing opportunity. We are, our lives are so cluttered. Our lives are so harried. We walk right past somebody that has an, an enormous need that God has divinely ordained that we connect with and we're oblivious to them. Lost opportunity. Opportunities are all around us, but are we sensitive to them? The cost of clutter, and let me just talk about quickly, and we'll have to pick up this and, and amplify on it next week, is the cure for clutter. I'm going to talk about three things, and I don't have time to deal with all of them this morning. But let me give them to you quickly. The cure for clutter is the right priorities, learning from the life of Mary, the right, the right priorities, the right position, and the right plan. Now, the right priorities. Let me talk about that for just a minute, and then we'll wrap up. You've got a, a stone in your hand, and I, I want to use this illustration. Maybe you've seen this before. If you have, then this will help you. And if you've never seen it before, then uh, maybe it will help you a little bit more. But having the right priorities in life. You see, your life is, is only so large. You, your day, it, it, there's only 24 hours. There's only so much you can fit in that day. And when we talk about priorities, things that are important, there's a lot of different things that we can put in the, the jar of our life representing one day. And what we're going to talk about in, in the weeks to come is really clearly defining priorities. Priorities are the big rocks of life. They're the important things of life. They're the weightier things of life. And, and as we consider priorities... These are like the big rocks of life. I'd dump these all in for the sake of time, but I'm afraid I might bust this glass jar, and I don't, I don't want to do that. But you, you begin to get the idea. If we, if we get these bigger priorities, and we get them in first, it can hold quite a bit. There's a lot that can fit in that jar. And then there's, there's lesser priorities. There's things that are B priorities that are also an important aspect of life. And we can begin to fit some of those in because there's some room if we do this in the proper order. See, if we start with the bigger rocks, it's amazing what can fit in there. And then, and then there's even smaller priorities that, that, that are the, the, the littler rocks. And, and just when you think that your plate is full, look at all that the extra that can fit. But the, the, the whole key to this working in life, whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional, whether it's mental, whether it's relational, whether it's, it's financial, whatever arena of life, the key to, a, to a, a more simplified life is not starting here. See, I've got some other problems. I've got sand and I've actually got water. If we wanted to, I could dump sand in here and fit some more. And then you say, wow, that's really full. Well, I could dump water in there. So it's amazing what we can contain in our lives and in our day but the most important thing is getting priorities right because the priorities, the big rocks, have to go in first. If I load this thing with sand and with water and with smaller rocks, I'm going I'm to be really hard-pressed to get any of these larger rocks in, these larger priorities of life. And so I gave you the, the, the stone today, and I, I want you, we're, we're going to have to pick up on this next week and amplify. I'm going to amplify a lot on these three principles of the right priority, the right position, and the right plan. And then we're going we're to get very practical. We're going to get spiritual, but we're also going to get very practical. 
So as you, as you go home with this in your hand, I want you to think about this. Mary had the right priority. And it was putting Jesus Christ and what He had to say first in our lives. And He is the greatest priority of our lives. We've got to get it right there or it doesn't matter if it's right anywhere else. It's not going to be right. Okay? And I also I want you to think about this week. I want you to think about putting Him and keeping Him. For some of you are here today and you've never placed heart faith in Jesus Christ. Warren, if you want to come, worship team, you can come. You've never made a clear decision to put Jesus Christ first and to receive His gift of mercy and forgiveness. You need to do that. Why put that off? Don't wait. In fact, do it today. Could we just have a quiet moment of reflection? Just close your eyes and bow your heads with me just for a moment as you hold that little pebble in your hand. Jesus Christ is the rock. And if there's, if there's sin, if there's distance between you and Jesus Christ, resolve that right here and right now before you even leave. It's as simple as just humbling your heart before Him and saying, God, you're right and I'm wrong. I've sinned. I've fallen short. I've disobeyed. I've, I, I know that I've done it wrong. God already knows that. Reach out to Him in faith. Ask Him to have mercy, to cleanse, and to forgive. If it's your very first time, just say, Jesus, take my heart. Take my life. I place my faith in You to be Savior, to be Lord, to cleanse me, to do what I can't do in making myself right with God. I trust what Jesus did to make me right with God. And Father, as we go out into the, the lily white, the virgin snow of this new year, 2014. God, may Your kingdom be our top priority. Lord, help us individually and corporately to come to a place of simplicity and focus and peace, and power. We ask it in the name of Your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.